Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Burlington, Vermont. I'm there this week, October 11th through 13th, five shows at the Vermont Comedy Club. Always something new and different for me. You will not see anything you've seen on my comedy specials. Oh, maybe if I have one joke I want to repeat, maybe I'll do that. Give you a thrill. And even each night, the show's always a little different because I just sort of riff around a little bit. Sorry, I just said riff around. I am personally selling and signing books and uh, posters and fun things after every show. So if that's an incentive, get on down. Tell anyone you know within a comfortable driving radius because I really want to pack this place out. And my parents are coming to the Saturday night shows, if that thrills you. So I really hope you make it out. Again, I'm trying to do a little test run of cities to just see what if people still know about me. And then I'll do a bigger tour next year. But I could really use the support get the tickets in advance that really helps us know how much press I have to do when I get there, how hard I have to work in addition to the work that I'm doing, and tell a friend, get your butts there. I will not be in like upstate New York or Vermont or any of those places at all, uh, probably not in 2019, so I'm serious when I say get your butts there. Okay. Tickets at jenkirkman.com. Click tour dates. If there's any problem at all with my website, because of course, there's always people like, I clicked that, nothing happened. I don't know what they're talking about. But go to vermontcomedyclub.com. It's right fucking there, people. It's right fucking there, people. You will find the tickets. All righty. This week's episode is this week's episode. <laughs> Sorry. Episode 254 of I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Oh, I just want to do an announcement for new listeners. If you don't know what this podcast is, it's a weekly, uh, whatever, who cares? I'm not going to get into it. I'll record something that we can play at the front sometime. But uh, I just feel like I should welcome new listeners because there are new people. And I know that it's, it's hard to jump into a podcast that doesn't put it out there exactly what it is. You just have to jump in and uh, look, it's the way it is. I don't know what I'm going on and on. All right. Great story, Jen. What else? This episode almost just, I'm actually sitting on my bed for this one because I'm plugging my iPad in and it's the only convenient place to plug it in because I have a really long plug in my bedroom. Anyway, <sighs> this episode is brought to us by Away Luggage, my favorite luggage. I have all the new uh, styles and kinds. Um, and the You Up, You Up podcast, uh, Nikki Glazer, very funny comedian podcast on Comedy Central. We'll hear about those things later. Later. I've, I've had a week that if you looked at it on paper, you'd go, that's not Jen. I went to Vegas. I went to a champagne, like Hollywood party polo match. And I went out for drinks with, um, like schmoozy showbiz drinks last night. Like that's a lot in one week for JK and uh, something's happening. So, you know, I was in my breakup after 2016 and it was like so depressed that like physically was just hard to move and took the job at Mrs. Maisel in New York. And that was fine. I needed to like be of service, be somewhere. What time am I there? What do you need? Yes, boss. Here we go. And then I went on tour and then I was promoting my Netflix special and the paperback version of my book. And then I had that crazy necklace line come out and I was busy and 2017 comes and it's like, what is my life? And I go back to New York real quick, you know, and, uh, my, my ABC show didn't get picked up, which is totally fine, but it left a lot of, what do I do this year? I don't have a tour planned. I guess I'll go back to New York. And I kind of became that like desk job person again. I'm like, well, what am I doing? Sitting at a desk. I'm not doing other things on the side. I mean, I sold a pilot to the BBC. Was I supposed to say that? I think it's going to come out soon. 
the, the fact that I sold it, not the, it's, I sold a script. I sold a pitch. They pay me to write a script. Then we'll see what, you know, if they want to make a pilot or not. Same process that we went through with ABC, different show. Okay, great. So I was working on that. Lots of sitting and writing. And then it was like, I don't know. I just was still sort of in the breakup morning. Like it was a big year and a half for me of like working through stuff. And I wasn't feeling totally social. I just wanted to go home at night and I don't even know what, like I just don't even want to do anything. And then I was really sick the week of my 44th birthday. And I think I was just kind of depressed from being in New York. And you know, I love New York, but it's just, I have so many friends. It's overwhelming. I have like 40 very close friends here, maybe more. And in LA. And so I just made a promise to myself when I get back to LA, I'm going to get back in the flow of life. And there's no like, oh, I might catch a cold if I go out too many times in a row. It's like, then I catch a cold. You know, it's just, just live my life, be happy. And I'm busy all the time. Like, I feel like I don't have a lot of time to just sit and do nothing. So I need to regroup that a little bit, but sometimes the way schedules are, there's just a million things going on. And so, uh, but I realized that, you know, I like performing. I like show busy stuff. I like talking to people. I like auditioning. I like, I like doing all that stuff and I hadn't done it in so long. And so I came back to town with a more renewed, like take an interest in my life vigor and, you know, go out and meet people and just like do things. And it's been great. And I feel very fulfilled. And my mindset, like almost two months ago, I was like, Oh God, do I have to go back on meds? You know, I'm depressed again. And, and for me, sometimes I do need meds and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I knew this might be a shift that I need to make. And there is something about turning 44 where like certain parts of your body start to look older and certain you go, I better fucking hop to it and like get back out there in life before I really break a hip or something. You know, it's almost like you get this renewed energy in your forties and I've never felt better. And so I like last Sunday night, I, I know about five comedy women here. I know even more, but I know these guys pretty intimately girls, women, and they all, you know, we were all in New York. Uh, some of us overlapped our, our years there as comedians, but we all know each other. And I thought, what if I got all five of them together in my apartment? And I did. I went to Whole Foods, got some like pre-made catered stuff. Oh, there was too much food. Wine. I mean, the we've got the like fall decoration, not decorations, but just, it was very cute up in here. And everyone came and I was so honored because it wasn't that everyone's always usually busy and there wasn't a lot of like, I'm coming in and I'm, I'm busy and I got to go. And everyone was like, I took a Lyft or an Uber here because I'm drinking tonight. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like that. I didn't even know people were down to have fun. And so I actually had to be somewhere early. So I was not getting drunk, but the, the, I was happy to host the gals that wanted to. And, and each one of us in our forties talking about different issues we were facing. One woman was like, ah, oh, my marriage has been 13 years. We're a little slumpy dumpy. And then someone else was like, I have no career. Someone else was like, I have a roommate. What's going on? And, uh, we were all just being really honest and talking and then shit talking as girls do. And, oh, I remember that guy from the nineties and, oh my God, you did that. Oh, blah, blah. So fun. Like the way that you think women are when they hang out, like almost to the cliched point. And, but it was really soul affirming and I felt just like high on life after. And, and I'm so grateful that like, I'm no longer stuck in that trap of like only a boyfriend can make you high on life or only a relationship or only buying a house or only, it's like, I literally feel like in love, like I am love. I'm giving love. I'm getting love. I'm in the fucking flow people. And we don't always stay in the flow. So I'm not like my life has changed and perfect forever. That's not what I'm saying. That's why I say I'm in the flow. Got to stay in it, right? Can't just like, you can jump in and out of the flow if you want, but I want to stay in it. I'm in the fucking flow. I feel good a lot. And I feel like overwhelmed. Like I want to cry. Like I love everyone. I'm just in the fucking flow. Kavanaugh ain't going to get me down. Trump ain't going to get me down. I don't know if we're going to be able to fix what ails us. I don't know, but I know this. I am a spirit. I am a being on this fucking earth. And my job is to, at the very least, be love, give it, receive it, right? 
we are all here to give hugs. So it was amazing. And, you know, this notion that these terrible things are going on in the world and we can't enjoy ourselves is just not true because that's what they want. They want to depress us, like actually like a tongue depressor depresses your tongue. It pushes it down. This is, this is not about, we don't have to walk around hitting ourselves in the head like monks, like Monty Python, like <laughs> the big pieces of wood. We don't have to do that because we recognize there's problems in the world. We are, if we have any position of power, we're blessed to uh, have probably a little more free time, a little more free headspace than others. Use it for good. And the good doesn't always have to be like picking up trash on the side of the road and adopting an orphan. I mean, do all that if you want to, but there's actually something to be said for being joyful. You know, it's our fucking God-given right. And I could mean universe-given or whatever. 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 What if I was a preacher? And God said, or it doesn't have to be God. It could be like, you know, whatever, just the flow of life. Whatever, you guys. I can't even get through this passage because it's like, ah, there's so many words for it. Whew, who wants coffee? Just like the world's dumbest preacher. I don't even know what church that would be. Just the, the denomination of let's get coffee. Um, so in the flow, flowing in the flow, bad things can happen at any minute. So you stay in the flow to have some happiness when you can. So when the bad things happen, you go, well, at least I was just in the flow. Maybe I can get back in. You don't go, oh, why are your bad things happening? I was in the flow. Mm-mm, that's not flow thinking. So what was I saying? Oh, so everyone texted me after that was lovely. We have to do it more. And instead of just like ignoring everyone, I like one specific friend in that group. I'm like, do you like to hike? And she's like, yep. So we went on a hike the next day and we talked more deeply about other things. And like, they all want me to do the thing again. And it's like, then these two women that didn't really know each other that well became friends at my party. And then they went and supported another one of the women at her show the next night. And I was like, I'm legit going to cry. It was great. It was great. So things like that are really bringing me back to life. And those are things I can't do in New York because I don't know enough people. And everyone's like, you can make new friends. I'm like, you can fly if you want, but it's a lot of effort, you know. Um, And I really miss New York, and there's a lot of reasons I want to be there. But for right now, this is perfect. Um, So hold, please. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading a text. Um, so then my parents were in Vegas and I went and joined them and it was totally fun. Like I don't have a bad relationship with my parents, but they can be weird and sometimes I can just get annoyed with them and just want to be like, but I didn't feel frustrated and it might be just like my new kind of I've just been so happy lately. I just didn't want to be frustrated, but I put the camera on them a lot. I, my, my microphone was off on my camera. So apologize to anyone who was watching my Instagram stories. You couldn't really hear them, but they just whip out the fun. My mother was giving me a review of the movie get out, which I hadn't seen. Someone told me not to see it. Cause it'd be too scary for me. I don't like psychologically disturbing things. I go into a panic. So my mom and HBO, I, I don't really understand. I can't understand their, t- they still say things to me like it's on channel two. And I'm like, I'm in a different state. Channel two to you is not channel two to me. Now, do you mean PBS? I don't know. I'm, I'll forget. Cause when I was growing up, channel two was always public broadcasting. I don't even know if it's still channel two everywhere or just there, but I don't know what they're saying half the time. So we have different cable boxes, different providers. So your Hallmark is not my, oh, by the way, the Hallmark movies. We need to put a pin in that. Hang on one sec. So my mom, I guess they had a free trial of HBO for a while. So she just watched a bunch of movies. And she's like, what is that one with the water and the fish? That makes no sense to me. I like Caddyshack better than I like that. And like literally going on about like Caddyshack gets shit on as a bad movie. But if you watch the documentary about it, they were doing a lot of improvising. And my dad's like, it's called ad-libbing. And I'm like, well, improvising's the same thing. He's like, no, that's more ad-libbing. I'm like, you know what? He's not wrong. And so then my mom was like, so this movie get out. And okay, so it's a, a black man dating a white woman. And everyone says, that's, 
okay, we're totally not racist. And then, you know, he meets the white woman's father and he says, oh, that's great. I don't care about color. But slowly they're being so mean to him, Jennifer. They are putting him in a basement. And I, I didn't like it, Jennifer. They were, I said, well, I think it's a psychological thriller that's supposed to, like, you know, like personify racism, like, you might not put someone in a basement, but we all think we're not racist, and then we all treat other people uh, a different way. And I think it was about that, you know, on a basic level. And she's like, no, I know, but I didn't like the faces that these people were making. It was like they were real evil, and I knew something was coming, and I just said, I don't like them. I said, well, you're supposed to like them. They're, I think, I mean, again, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm like, mansplaining to her a thing I've been seeing and she's like or woman's planning and she's like I don't know I just felt so sad for him I'm like well he's okay <laughs> he's an actor he won an Oscar um and she said yeah I I just and then I saw that 50 shades of gray I don't I mean oh I don't are people doing that Jennifer and now again I've never seen that movie either so I don't know if it's just light paddling or some handcuffs and they said, yeah, or if it's some other shit. And she goes, but it looked like it hurt. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, so sexy and feel like I'm watching a dirty movie. I felt like I didn't understand what they were doing. I said, well, yeah, that's a thing, sadomasochism, and, and people do like the pain. It gives them pleasure. Well, I don't think she did. I go, I, again, I didn't see the movie, but I think that she either learns to or she's just trying to please him. She goes, then they get married. And I think we're supposed to think, well, he's finally done with all that. But I think they're still doing it. Again, I don't know what's happening. But her movie reviews were a thing of beauty. But, uh, yeah, so I flew in. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Because I don't think anything's funny unless, like, a real professional... Well, I'm not like that. I'm not a total comedy snob where it's like, people who don't do comedy can't possibly be funny. Like, I crack up every day, especially at you guys. Like, the comments you leave me on Twitter, the comments you're leaving me in the Facebook uh, secret group. By the way, if you go to facebook.com slash Podcast, at the uh, top of the page, you can click... Uh, it's one of the posts at the top of the page. You can click on it. And you can join the, uh, it's not, it's not secret, but if it's a closed group. So you can write comments and talk about your life and nobody in your Facebook world can see it. And you have to be accepted into it by me. And if you go to at I seem fun podcast on Twitter, uh, I believe you can also join up that way. So anyway, you guys crack me up on the, the Facebook closed group. I mean, obviously people that aren't in comedy are very funny, but comedians I know fucking hate the flight attendants on Southwest because they do all these silly jokes. And I guess it's probably less funny when they're doing those jokes and then the plane takes off and then the window opens and someone's head gets sucked out. I mean, that is a thing that happened on Southwest this past year. And so you look back and you go, Jim, maybe if, um, less jokes, more putting some duct tape on the window. But, um, the flight attendant said, we're heading into Lost Wages, Nevada. Come on, that's fucking funny. <laughs> I know I'd heard it before, but I laughed. I laughed anyway. I laughed like a newborn baby. I also threw up into a napkin in my hand, just very mildly, because the landing was so bumpy. It wasn't even that kind of turbulence where you feel like you're in a car, but it's a rocky road. It's the kind where you feel like you're on a ride, and it just plummets you down, and your stomach is like, oh. It was that kind of like pockets of air um, turbulence. But I recovered like a champ. I don't think anyone knew what I was doing. I was trying to make like sneezing noises because I wasn't like, it wasn't that kind of vomit. It was more like, (coughs) it was like that. And so I was trying to be like, (laughs) honestly, I would rather sit next to someone who's vomiting because it's usually not contagious because it's usually motion sickness than someone sneezing. So I don't know why I thought, oh, I'll act like I'm sneezing. That other thing people love for you to do on a plane. Um, so I get off the plane. I get the craziest cab driver. I'm literally crying. I called my dad and I was like, this might be the last you hear from me. He's like, what? I'm at the hotel waiting for you. I mean, couldn't communicate. The driver took the freeway. If you've ever been to Vegas, it's a 
two-mile drive from the airport to any of the hotels, and you don't need to take uh, the highway, the freeway, whatever you want to call it. And, yeah, I mean, he was literally like, remember, what's his name? Not Roberto Benigni in Life is, whatever that movie is, Life is Beautiful. He was just like a nut running around, like, Life is Beautiful. It was like, that guy was like that like just kind of a nutty guy who was just like looking everywhere but the road ahead of him, like literally like Annie Hall, driving like Annie Hall. Like I, we almost hit a truck and I was like, oh my God. And every time I freaked out, he would turn his entire body around to look at me. I'm like, turn around, turn around, turn around. It was insane. Insane. I don't know why men don't know how to drive. The mythology that I've been brought up with that men know how to drive better than women is hilarious to the dariest to me. Are you kidding? Basic things about male culture where they don't like to look ahead. So if the car in front of them is braking, isn't braking, they don't look at the car ahead of the car in front of them. It's just like everything's a constant surprise to men. Like brakes, what? Everything is almost crashing into everything. Everything is speeding up. It's like, look, I know you can go 60 miles an hour for the next three feet, but if you notice, we're in a standstill on the interstate. So don't even bother. It's just going to cause someone in the back seat to get more nauseous. Um, I've never driven, I, I, I mean, it's 80% of the time. So I get to the hotel. Uh, my parents are waiting. My room isn't ready. My mother is apoplectic. This is not normal. I'm like, well, you know what? It's not, but it's also fine. I don't need my room. And so I went to their room with my things. Even though they're on a high floor, I don't like heights. They were in floor 26. It's fine. I just wouldn't want to sleep in it. And I changed my clothes and we walked to this little restaurant that's kind of around the corner, um, little Italian restaurant, you know, where this old guy comes around and plays accordion, but he asks you where you're from. And like, based on where you're from, he plays a song. And so my parents, we've gone there all the time. My mom's like, we, I'm going to say, we're going to say we're from Boston. You say you're from New York. My dad's like, she's not from New York. Ronnie, she lives in New York all the time. She might as well be a New Yorker because he'll probably play a New York song. Oh, tell him we're from Boston. He'll play two songs. And it was like a whole discussion. So then when he got to the table, we froze because we didn't know where to say we were from. And I just yelled out Boston. And he went, the North End. And then he played like an Italian song. And I feel like he might have just would have played that song anyway. But he said, you must remember your word is joy. And then he was like, yep, da, 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 da. And he kept playing. And so that's my message to you people. Your word is joy. And he was a delight. And uh, then I just, I like asking my question, asking my parents questions and putting them on tape. I'm like, dad, what do you say about women aren't funny? He goes, oh, I say Joan Rivers. I go without naming names. He goes, it's asinine. <laughs> that was his like, and my mom and I were talking about the Me Too movement. She's telling me these stories, these creepy guys at the other casino she hangs out with trying to touch her boobs. And she finally said something to someone. And she was like, listen, you. And so she told me the story. And then I said, I got to get you on tape. Do on tape. I got to get you on my Instagram story doing that. And so she retold it, but w with a little less passion. And I said, Mom, when you told that story originally, you were more into it. So we're sitting at dinner, and I get a text from my dear old friend, Patrick. Um, he writes on Jimmy Fallon. We started stand-up kind of around the same time. And uh, we used to date in the early uh, late 90s. One of those exes that you realize, oh, this actually, like, like, science made a mistake. Like, we're supposed to be born into the same family. Like, he's like a brother. And my parents still know him, and my sister loves him. Like, he's, like, in the family. And so he texted me. I saw that video of your mom. You're totally right. I bet her original speech that she made that before you got it on camera was way more passionate. She was holding back. And then he's like, tell your parents hi. And then my parents were like, oh, my God, it's Patrick. And they're making videos to, like, send him over text. And I'm like, how lucky am I that I've had this long life where it's like an ex is just like a really good friend. And he used to uh, – what was I saying? He – and I, yeah, we, my parents used to see him do comedy and my friend Eugene Merman and all these people. And we all started together. And I'm so blessed, hashtag, that I did start comedy with these wonderful, lovely young men in the 90s who were not sexist pigs and didn't harass me. And that they're in my life still. And that we've all grown up together and we all know each other's families. It was so tight-knit back in Boston. And, and that 
my family is so supportive of what I do and they root for my friends. And, you know, I, I just, I remember feeling this way at my friend, Chris Frangiola's wedding. Like I went up to his dad and I was like, Mr. Frangiola, it's, I'm Jen. You know, I don't, you probably don't know me. I used to work with Chris. He's like, Jen, you live in Brooklyn. You're right now. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You live next door to Chris. He recently moved. Like he knew everything about me. And I was like, wait, Chris, do you talk about me to your dad? He's like, whatever. I'm like, oh my God, you talk about me on the phone to your dad. Like, I'm in your life. I'm your friend. And, and you know, that's kind of this beautiful thing that I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to experience lately is just my, I'm a bonder. You know what I mean? So when I make friends, like I make fucking friends and like, I try to, I like to get all kinds of people together that don't know each other. And I've lost sight of that the past few years and I'm not going to anymore because it's like, clearly you can hear it in my voice. This kind of life brings me joy. You know, I'm not good when I isolate and, and when I isolate, I can convince myself that I'm doing the right thing. And there's isolation and there's self care, you know? And, uh, when isolating doesn't feel good, when it feels like, yeah, I deserve to be alone. And you know what? I don't even want to talk to other people because they have a better life than me. And, I'll feel ashamed. You know, we start getting into that. Like, you know, you're isolating instead of taking a night to be alone. Cause that's really important. You know, I need a lot of alone time and, and I'll be doing that tomorrow night as this podcast podcast comes out. Uh, tonight I'm about to run and go have dinner with my friend, Sarah Colon, her husband, John Ryan at their house. I basically was just invited myself over. Well, we were supposed to maybe go to a restaurant and I was like, I just want to wear pajamas and come over. So there's that. Um, but yeah, so Vegas was fun and I just felt like, I don't know, it was just nice to, as much as I shit on, or not that I really do, but as much as we could shit on the internet, it is really cool to like kind of put up these Instagram stories and have people see them and kind of connect my family to the world and connect my friends, what I'm doing. And I don't know, I was just full of that kind of schmaltz this week. And, uh, you know, having some wine at dinner. And then I go, I'm like, I'm not gambling with you guys. I'm not touching those dirty machines. Gambling's evil. But we were done with dinner by like seven because, you know, we're, my parents are elderly as am I, but they just like to eat early. And so do I, I mean, eating early is so good for you, but uh, it's not like they go to bed necessarily early. They stayed up later than me. So I walked through the casino with my mom. I'm like, all right. So we go to the like little VIP area that they, it's like a little lobby where you check in if you're VIP and you get a free wine. We had a, our wine and then we're walking around the machines and like my dad goes, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you want to play. And then after you lose that, like no more money. I'm like, all right, if you don't want the hundred bucks back, this is a gift, fine. But I do not want to use my own money because I don't want to gamble. It's just, it pisses me off to like throw money away. I'll throw someone else's away within reason. I knew they wanted me to hang out. And my mom was like, your father gets jealous when we hang out. Go hang out with your father. So, but he gets so stressed at machines. I'm like, is this a good one? He's like, you don't know who's going to win. I'm like, I'm not asking if it's a winner. I'm asking if it's a fun game. He's like, geez, Jen, I don't know. He's very overwhelmed with one question. So we sit down and uh, I'm like, dad, I want to play the bachelor slot machine. And no one hates the TV show, the bachelor more than me. Uh, It's pure evil. And I know it's not real. I just don't care. I don't care about it. I don't care about The Bachelorette. I'm not against reality TV. I'd rather watch something that's a tiny bit more real, like a million dollar listing where I'm sure even the scenarios they're coming up with, like this guy won't buy at this price. I'm sure that's exaggerated and or reenacted. But at the very least, I'm seeing the inside of apartments and homes in New York city. And I know that's not faked, you know, otherwise I'll just watch something fake or I'll watch a documentary if I want to see something uber, uber real. But the bachelor, it's like, it's just too ridiculous for me. And I don't fault people who watch it. Like, I don't think you're stupid. Shout out to my sister. Oh no, my voice. Nah, I got to take care of my voice this week. I don't think you're a dumb fuck. If you watch it, like it's my sister, like it's her entertainment. It's like her de-stress, you know? for some reason it doesn't de-stress me or make me laugh. It stresses me out. So that's 
that's the only reason why it's not my entertainment. But anyway, so a pretty exciting thing happened when I was playing the Bachelor game. But before I tell you that, I will tell you that what I took to Las Vegas with me was my away travel carry-on suitcase. I love it so much. I have every size and I'm even, I'm even got, I even got the new kind that look, uh, what, what's, what, how do I put it? Uh, they're silver and they look like those, uh, let me explain what it's called. Sorry, I've lost my mind. Um, they, they're silver and they look like they're, um, Oh, fuck. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Listen, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it in one second. Away travel. Away travel is the best in the world. It's the, the aluminum edition. I just didn't want to say aluminum if it wasn't. That's why I was stumbling. But I have every color of away luggage in sand, but I also now have the aluminum edition. And so here's the deal with away luggage. First of all, the carry-on bags have a giant battery in them. It's not heavy or anything. It it just plugs your cell phone. You can plug two things in. You can plug an iPad and a cell phone, both at the same time, into your... There's two USB ports. It stays charged. It can charge your phone multiple times. And then, you know, you just overnight, you just plug in your suitcase to the wall, which is a really fun thing to look at. Remember Kindles? We're like, we're plugging in a book. Well, now the future is we plug in our suitcase. And... They're very light. You can like stuff things into them and it doesn't feel heavy and they don't bend or break than my experience. And I know these people are throwing them around at the airports and uh, it's, it's freaking great. Now, what I love about it is this awaytravel.com slash fun, A-W-A-Y travel.com slash fun and use promo code fun at checkout. That is going to give you $20 off of a suitcase. If you get a matching three-piece set, which I recommend, they will automatically give you a $100 discount for a carry-on, a medium, and a large. And that's in addition to the $20 off of a suitcase that I'm offering you today. So that's $120 off of a a luggage set. Um, They use high-quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other brands by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. They come from a variety of colors, four sizes, carry-on, bigger carry-on, the medium or the large. And um, all suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, unrivaled in strength and impact resistant, and they're very lightweight. The uh, four, their wheels are 360-degree spinners, TSA-approved combination uh, locks, removable laundry bag inside, They're able to charge all cell phones, tablets, e-readers. These are the carry-on sizes. And here's the thing, lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they fix it or replace it for life. You get a 100-day trial to live with it. See how you vibe with the bag. Travel with it. Take pictures of it. I mean, just do whatever. And if at any point you decide an away luggage is not for you, return it. Full refund. No questions asked. I would ask, why are you returning this? You're insane. But, and you can also go to their actual brick-and-mortar retail store in New York City but there's free shipping on any away order within the lower 48 states. Go to awaytravel.com slash fun for $20 off of a suitcase and use promo code fun at checkout. And again, if you buy a set, three or more, you will get $100 off as well. And it was founded by two friends who found themselves at JFK with dead phones, delayed flights, and a bright idea, luggage with power. So, there you go. Also... My pal Nikki Glazer has a Comedy Central radio show, Sirius XM Comedy Central radio show called You Up with Nikki Glazer, but it's now a podcast. So there you go. When you're not listening to I Seem Fun, you can cheat on me with Nikki. I approve. Come join comedian Nikki Glazer and her best friend Tom uh, Takar over sharing about their personal lives, getting and giving perspective on dating and sex, dissecting pop culture, trying to understand the news, and making fun of whatever or whoever else deserves it. Some of their latest episodes feature great interviews with Tracy Morgan, Amy Schumer, Amber Tamblin, and more. Listen and learn about, uh, oh, sorry, listen 
to her show to learn more about Squirt Nation and stay until the end of every episode when Nikki reveals cryptic personal secrets. So you can subscribe now to You Up with Nikki Glazer on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And you can also listen to it every Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Sirius XM's Comedy Central Radio, which is Channel 95. Great. Anyway, so I'm in Vegas. I'm at... I'm at the machine. I'm at the the bachelor machine. Ah, oh, where was I? So there I was. I spotted the bachelor slot machine. And I said, I must play this thing. I like a slot machine that has those, uh, you know, where they start playing clips from a TV show. Like the Sex and the City slot machine is a favorite of mine. And, yeah, so you sit there. You play the machine. You do what you do. And I think it's called progressive when it goes, not like progressive, like I'm for healthcare, not that kind of progressive, the bad kind where the machine goes progressive and it means like you start getting a bunch of free spins and then that's when the video screen plays and it's like fantasy suite and the bachelor is talking and he's saying, I want you to join me in the fantasy suite. (laughs) And it's so stupid because you're sitting there or not you, I, this happened to me, not you. I am sitting there by myself. <laughs> this is a lady by herself with her freaking glass of complimentary red wine. And it looks, I mean, by the way, no one's looking at me. Everyone's doing their own thing. But it, it would appear, oh, this weird woman is sitting alone at a bachelor slot machine because she's wishing the bachelor would, would invite her to the fantasy suite. <laughs> This must be some wish fulfillment for her. It must be, uh, I mean, it was, it's really an embarrassing game to play. But I couldn't stop doing well. And every time, there was one time where, so I, 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 I made the 100 back that my dad gave me. I got up to 260. So I, I gave him the cash out ticket and I said, go keep your 100 and don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me as I go into my shame spiral of gambling this 160 away. So I did. And I'm on the last 20 bucks. And the thing just starts going crazy and ding and dong and lights and clips from the show. And it just keeps that exciting sound of numbers going up and up. And it said, you won $595. It wasn't like a gradual thing. It was like one grand prize of five ninety five. So then I gambled a little more, and then it was like, bring, and everything's going nuts, and I was up to seven hundred ninety six. And then, um, you know, at that point, the machine starts going badly again. And I'm thinking, well, this is it. Spoiler: It was it, as far as I know. And I thought, well, I could get all the way back down to twenty bucks and try my luck again, but. I'm going to walk away with a cool 700 and I could use it. So this is great. Of course, that old devil gets in there, that old addictive brain. And I go, oh, I'll just play till 600. I mean, it's money I didn't have anyway. Maybe maybe I can even make more. And it just keeps going and it's happening. You lose so fast. It, It feels like it takes forever when you're winning. The lights are flashing. The numbers are going beep, 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 beep. But when you lose, it's just quick, and every hit feels awful, so you hit it again so that you don't have to feel awful, and then you feel awful again, and you're just literally one of those test rats that's hitting a a lever and getting sugar. So I was like, I have to stop. I've just, I've got the gene, you know? Um. I mean, all of our brains are kind of addict brains, but I've got the gene for addiction. And so I'm like, I cannot do this. Uh, not even a gene passed down from family. I just know it in my heart. Like I, I see it in some areas of my life. Thank God it never was for drugs, or alcohol, but uh, other things that we can ingest and do. And I'm just like, gambling's going to be one of them. Like, I ain't doing it. So I called my dad over and I'm like, take this from me. (laughs) Take, I'm going to cash out, take the voucher. He's like, when do you want the money back later? I'm like, no, not later. I'm putting myself to bed. 
you can just give it to me in the morning. What time in the morning? Like as I'm leaving the property. This this is never going to go well. And I wander around. Oh, well, maybe I can ask my dad for the voucher back and I'll just get like a hundred bucks. I'm like, no, just go to bed. And I go visit my mom. She's up in her own dreamland at the slots. And I tell her about my winnings. And as a gambler, I think she's happy that I'm putting it down. But you can see in her eye that she doesn't really relate to that I'm walking away. But I was getting a little drunk. So she was like, you're getting a little drunk. Why don't you just (laughs) calm down? And I'm like, I'm fine. (laughs) So I put myself to my room around, I think it was like 11 which, as you know, in Vegas is early. My mom's still up. I think my dad went back to his room. I don't know where he was, but I called my dad's cell phone. I was like, I don't care what happens. If I'm crying, if I'm like, I got this, do not give me the money tonight. If I call you and say, you know what, I think I can handle it, do not. He's like, okay, Jen, I won't. I won't even pick up my phone. You won't know where I am. So that was good. And then I... um put myself to bed and woke up the next morning. The devil was out of me by then. And I was just like, there's nothing like the light of day in Vegas. When you just see those slot machines in the morning, even though it's not necessarily that the sun is coming through the windows, it's just, you can tell it's daytime and it's just so much less appealing. And we had some breakfast and then I went on my way back to Los Angeles. And, uh, yeah. So that was it, really. Then I went to, um, so Saturday, my friend, uh, he's like, I have tickets to this Vuve Clico polo match. I've only seen it on an episode of the Rachel Zoe Project. She went one year. And I'm like, I don't know, is polo bad? Like, they hurt the horses. I'm texting my sister, should I not be at a polo thing? Or you know, But I do, there's this gorgeous polo player named Nacho something. He's married with, like, 50 kids. But um, that's all I know about polo. There's a, a gorgeous player. I mean, they're all kind of cute. And then, uh, but you, men and women play together. Like, they compete, you know, they can be on the same team or opposing teams. But it's, a, it's both... Um, genders. And I know there's a lot of genders and spectrums and things, but you get what I'm saying. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go. And so my friend Darren and I go, and I really fucked up on the outfit. Like I was trying to go for like a, I'm a Kate Hudson, Rachel Zoe in a flowing white lace thing, but you have to be like, I know I'm thin, but they're like a stick with like not any roundness on their body. So those things hang off of them. And that's, what that look is. And I was like, Oh, this is not what my look is. (laughs) I should have gone with like a more fun, like cropped pants with a heel. Like I just didn't have time to get ready. I only got the invitation like three days before. And, um, you know, I just went to rent the runway and, and got the, the white dress, but you know, it would have been fun to like hire a stylist. I mean, To pay for that for an event that has nothing to do with my career is ridiculous. But, like, in a general way, that's, like, something that that would be good for. So I go, and it's, like, me and a bunch of gay men. My friend Darren's gay. And he knew a lot of people there. And it was so fun. It was, like, like an older crowd in a weird way. It wasn't – everyone wasn't 20. It was, like, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And um, there was a – like they were playing disco music and stuff. And I never hear music that I, that I can enjoy anymore. It's always the air read. And so I was like in my glory. And it was one of those days where we were like, we'll just have, you know, like a glass of champagne. Then we'll get the fuck out. You know, it's just good to, oh, this is cool. We got to see what it is. Then it like takes two hours for the polo to actually start. We're like, well, we should stay and, like, see what polo is. It's kind of fun. So we did. The game lasts, like, 14 seconds. Like, it really doesn't seem like it's about that at all. Then you go into the field and you stomp the divots, which was pretty exciting because I'm the daughter of a greenskeeper, and divot replacement is very important to the health of a golf course. If you don't know what a divot is, it's a tuft of grass that comes up, leaving a patch of dirt 
in the shape of where the tuft of grass once was, and you take that tuft, you turn it upside down, you connect the dirt back to the dirt, you stomp on it, and it'll grow back in. And when we were doing that, my friend was like, oh, this is what they did in Pretty Woman. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're totally right. I forgot about that. And so that was a thrill. And then... Um, then the music got louder. Then it got more fun. Then they were playing Freedom 90 by George Michael. No one ever plays fucking Freedom 90. And they should, because it's the greatest song to dance around to at a party and lip sync and whatever. And then I saw that the DJ was Samantha Ronson of ex-girlfriend Lindsay Lohan fame. And I remember on Chelsea lately, it was always a directive, like from Chelsea and our bosses, like make fun of Samantha Ronson, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, I get it, because she and Lindsay were a couple, and they were, like, fighting in the street, and there was all this drama. But it was like, I actually know people who know Sam, and she's a very kind person and and not this big attention grabber and just kind of quiet and, like, does her DJing. And this thing on Chelsea lately that used to drive me crazy. My bosses always wanted to make DJ jokes. It's just pushing a button on an iPod. And look. I know that there's digital stuff now, but like, it's always been a skill. You get your records and you combine things. Even if it were just pressing play on an iPod, knowing how to control the flow, you know, we've, we're going to have this kind of music for now. Then we put this kind of song on, then we take it down over here, keep everyone happy. Like it's hard to keep a bunch of people on the dance floor consistently. And so I obviously think it's a skill and don't even get me started about things I don't understand. Like, is it EDM or whatever electronic music? I mean, I don't even understand any of that. It doesn't resonate to me as like a rhythm I can dance to, but I get that it takes a skill to whatever they're doing. But I was always like, we sound old making those jokes. Like young people have a relationship with DJs that we don't. To us, DJs are people that work at the radio station and they hit play on the record. That's not what this is. This is a whole other art form. And if you've ever been, you know, dancing in New York City in the 80s, like people have two vinyl tables and wooka wooka and all that and all the sampling that you hear in, in hip hop, uh, you know, and, and what the Beastie Boys were doing, like that. That's cool. And so it would always drive me crazy. I'm like, please don't make me write another Samantha Ronson presses play on the thing. And I thought she was doing a great job. I will say the thing I hate is when DJs let a song end early and they like slide it into another one. And I get it, but I have an emotional attachment to songs. So I feel like my baby is being ripped from my arms. Like if you end Freedom 90, I know it's a seven minute song. If you ended at four minutes, I'm like, no, there was so much more life to this place. Look what they're doing. And so she did that, but it was like combined with a song that went well into it. And so I went over and introduced myself to her. I mean, I know she was busy, but I just said, I don't know if you know me, but you follow me on Twitter and we've corresponded about like political stuff. And she was like, oh yeah. I mean, she probably didn't know who I was, but I was like, I just think you're just, uh, seems super cool and nice and you know I didn't say like sorry for all the years I worked at a job that made fun of you <laughs> but uh I said you're doing great like I'm just loving this freedom 90 nonsense and she's like some woman just came up to me and said that if I played Michael Bolton I could really get the party started <laughs> so it must be very annoying to be a DJ because it's one of those jobs where people think they own you and can tell you what to do and really it's like you're setting the mood for the night and she DJs a lot of events. Like, I think she was DJing a couple of the Golden Globes parties last year. Or not, not a couple, I mean, obviously one of them. Um, you know, you're just creating an atmosphere. And I know that, like, when you're at a bar mitzvah or you're fucking Sweet 16 or whatever, your high school dance, yeah, you run up to the DJ and you're like, can you play 1999 by Prince? And they have to because they're not there to explore their art form. But I don't think that's how you're supposed to treat, like, professional DJs at events. So it's worse than being a comedian because nobody actually yells out, do this joke, you know. <clears throat> so it is like I would be far away in a booth where nobody could get to me, but she was uh, approachable and, and sort of right out there. So anyway, I tried to t make it posy, even though I was like, look, I really wish she hadn't ended Freedom 90 at the four minute mark. I get it. So I didn't, I didn't critique. I just said, I really loved hearing that song. Anyway, so that was exciting. Um, 
I really loved dancing. I don't understand why my Fitbit doesn't indicate that I danced for like a half hour solid with the heart rate up. It's like just at like zero, like like I've had zero motion all day. I'm like, the fuck? But then sometimes when, you know, I, I take the trash downstairs to the recycling bins in the parking garage and I use the stairs, <laughs> that'll be like, that was 12 minutes of exercise. I'm like, no, it wasn't actually. So who knows? I know Fitbit bits are hacky. I'm not even trying to do a bit. I'm just saying that I don't really understand. I don't understand. So that was that. And then I had another social night. Sunday night, I went out with Gary, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, um, from the Howard Stern Show and Steve Brandano. They were in town. And they had like a small drinks gathering at this hotel. And I went, I mean, it was a very small gathering. And I got to meet Mary. Mary, if any of you don't listen to Howard Stern, then you're like, who cares? But I got to meet Gary's wife, Mary, their son, who's super tall and like an adult and really nice. And Gary was always like, my sons love your stand-up, Jen. And so I was like, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you. I know you're a fan of my work. He was like, I literally don't know who you are, like not in a rude way. He said it so nicely. I was like, oh. And Gary's like, oh, it's my other son. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So it was fun. And I, um, you know, if you're listen, if a listener to the Howard Stern show, Gary always clears his throat every morning. He's like, <clears throat> and they have all these like song parodies about it. And Howard's always like, what is with your throat? And Gary would be like, I don't know. It's just sinuses in the morning. And over the years, I was like, that's what I have. Gary has acid reflux. So I was on the Howard Stern wrap-up show. I'm still not... Howard doesn't know who I am or he cares. Like, he said my name on air a couple times when I, like, did a prank call for the show and he had to read who said it. And there was some kind of, like, celebrities on Twitter respond to if Benji should get fired. And Howard was like, Robin, these are what some celebrities on Twitter are saying. And she's like, oh, okay. And he was like, blah, blah, said this. Jen Kirkman said this. And I know those are my friends in the back office, like putting my name on a thing <laughs> and including me, like just to give me a thrill, like they'll throw me a thrill whenever they can. But he really doesn't know who I am, but it's fun to hear him say my name. I mean, that's like enough for me at this point. It shouldn't be, but I'll take what I can get. So I'm, <laughs> I was on the wrap up show once and I was like, Gary, I think you have acid reflux. You think that it's post nasal drip and it is, but it's caused by acid reflux coming up from your stomach and in order to cool your throat down, your nose starts making mucus. I promise if you just get treated for acid reflux, this will go away. You'll stop clearing your throat. Howard will be happy. And then I'll get, you have to let me get on the show for five minutes and be like, this is the person who told me what I should do. And he was like, okay. I mean, he's barely listening. This is like two years ago. So then um, when I saw him, I was like, Gary, I heard you on the air the other day talking about because Howard was like, Gary, you haven't really been clearing your throat that much. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm on a new acid reflux medication. I'm like, oh, my God, this I was right. And so we talked about it for a while. As most acid reflux sufferers in the beginnings of figuring out what it is, he's like, well, we're still not sure. It could be a few other things. I'm like, oh, you're wrong. Um, but I was like, I'm never going to be on certain, <laughs> even though I had my triumphant moment. But that's all I care about is is educating people about acid reflux. So it doesn't matter that I didn't get on stern because of it. It really, truly doesn't. But it was so lovely and fun. And I was like, Mary, I'm sorry to be annoying. But if, for Howard Stern listeners, there's this classic story of how Gary and Mary won this thing where, like, a professional chef comes to your house to cook, like, a many-coursed meal. And, and they had, like, a string quartet playing outside. And, you know, Howard likes to, like, eat quickly and get out. And he gets up early every day. And he doesn't go to bed after 8 p.m. And so... You know, they told the story on the show of, like, how he got there. They had, like, a cocktail hour first, and he was like, when are we eating? And then he just, like, shut the door because it was cold, and the string quartet was outside. And I was like, Mary, please tell me from your perspective everything that happened that night and what is true and what wasn't. And she did, and it was so funny. And um, I don't know. I mean, this used to happen on Chelsea lately, but it would happen to me, like, People would think, I mean, we were comedians on the show, so I mean, I guess in a weird way, like we were performers at least, but Chelsea was the star and people were just excited about the private jokes on the show. And so we had people coming up to us all the time, like, is that thing that happened on the show real or fake? So Mary must have been like, why does she care? But it's like, because I listen to that show every day and I have for 20, over 22 years now, 
been listening to Howard and, you know, I don't just listen for five minutes a day. I mean, there's at least half hour to three hours a day of listening to Howard going on in my life, especially now that it's on Sirius and I can hear repeats on weekends and, you know, I can catch like things I didn't hear during the week. So it's just constantly like these people are constantly in my head. Like they're, in my opinion, they're my friends. And then some of them are my friends now, but they're, it's, I just can't tell you like for people who like Gary, Mary, like the people that work on the show, I mean, I'm sh look, there's some people there that are a little bit like, ugh, but they're such decent, lovely people and just so kind and cool and just lovely. Like, you just, like, let's have Thanksgiving together, <laughs> you know, like that. Just really nice people. And I'm so lucky that I get to, that I got to know them because they're really, really decent and really fucking cool. And um, I think I told you guys the greatest thrill of my life was I was doing wrap-up show two years ago. Uh, the week before Christmas, and I had gone to these little, like, you know, artisan, artist kiosks, like, in Union Square in New York, and this guy had small, he had taken, like, 45 records, you know, those small ones, and made them even smaller to where they were, like, the size of a donut, and he, like, sort of remastered them, and he made Christmas ornaments out of them, and so there was one that said, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and it was, like, some song, and I was like, oh, my God, because Gary... Uh, collects vinyl and Howard always makes fun of him for it because Gary calls it pieces of vinyl and Howard's like what is pieces of vinyl so I um, got him a literal piece of vinyl that looked like a mini mini record but it was a Christmas ornament but it was vinyl and it had the original like label and I was like oh Peter Paul Mary like his wife's name's Mary that's cute and I gave it to him for Christmas and he was like I will actually hang this on my tree I'm serious, and he's so nice about receiving, like, gift, gifts, because, like, he know like, people give Howard gifts all the time, he's like, this is awful, and he, like, puts it in a wood chipper on the show, <laughs> so he's being very sensitive to, like, how vulnerable it is to give someone a gift, and he's like, I really will put this on my tree, <laughs> and so last year, which was a whole year later, two days before Christmas, he must have gotten my number from, from, uh, Steve from the show, but he texted me, uh, Merry Christmas, Baba Booey. And it was a picture of my ornament on the tree. And I was like, that is the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. Like, can't even get better than that. Like, can't even get better. I mean, why don't all of you just lay down and fall asleep and just wait for death? Because it's never going to get as good as that for you. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened. So it's already happened. So there we go. Um... So there was that. That was fun, funsies. And now I'm exhausted because there's been too much going out. And I have to fly to Vermont tomorrow. Have to. <laughs> I mean, I get to. Get to go do my job. And it'll be fun. I'm going on morning television on Thursday, which I'm kind of nervous about because I'm like, where are these? These people don't know who I am. They, Tell me about the Me Too movement, reactions to that. And you have like 14 seconds to answer. You're like, uh, it's bad? No, it's good. I mean, people should... Um, keep their hands to themselves. Uh, uh, okay, up next, cooking, ga uh, cooking star Chef Blah Blah is on. Well, thanks, Jen. You'll be at the Vermont Comedy Club. It's like you've never said anything funny. They just try to ask like a serious question. It's the worst. I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I'm psycho about selling tickets. And if shows don't sell out in advance, that's the shit I do. Because people won't fucking buy tickets in advance. And it's your fault that I have to go on a fucking morning radio show. <laughs> Oh, pretend I'm Ali Wong. Pretend I'm Amy Schumer. Just sell me out and make me famous. I mean, for fuck's sake already. What the hell is going on here? Did I did I curse someone in a former life? That wouldn't even be like a... I don't even know what I'm talking about. But seriously, I'm getting tired. I hate promoting shit. Just like, you know, everyone's like, Louis's career can't be ruined because of this. It's like, it's not. He has a mailing list of like 5 million people that like him and that actually want to be on a mailing list. If he emailed them tomorrow and was like, I'm playing here, they'd all be there. Like, his life's fine. My life, not ruined by Louis, just ruined by not being famous yet. My email list, who gives a shit, they say to me, Jen. No one says that. Um, that was just a little fun complaining. I want to read... Uh, sorry. <laughs> I almost dropped this. I'm going to end on an article I'm going to read. Uh, just to let you know, allthingscomedy.com. Uh, I seem funds part of the all things comedy podcast network and they're branching out into comedy specials. So, 
keep your eyes out for that. I know Ted Alexandro just did one. Um, and uh, what else was I going to say to you? Oh, yeah, send me an email if you need any holiday advice, whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, or New Year. Uh, I seem fun at gmail.com. My friend Alice and I will tackle that for you, and we will release the episodes well before the holidays so you can actually take the advice and plan it. We are very serious about this. I need to hear from more of you, so um, if I could get like 10 more emails, that'd be great. 10 more advices, advices again, for any of the three holidays. Um, it can be about love or marriage or friendships or family or money or depression or decorating, whatever you want. And what else? Uh, Brooklyn tickets are now on sale for me at the Bell House. It's going to be a fucking wild ass fun show. Like, I'm just going to be going nuts. And my agent was like, no more New York after this for a while because you have been there so many fucking times. So it's kind of one of the last times you can see me like for maybe a year. So I would... I would get on that. Um, I have a little surprise spot on a show coming up in Brooklyn on December 19th, but it doesn't count as my own show, and it's, like, holiday-related. So when you see that, don't be like, you said you weren't coming. But my own solo one-hour show, like, it's going to be a while before I'm back. So come to that. That's on my website right now, jenkirkman.com. Click tour dates. I took a real risk by, like, booking the Bell House, which is so huge. So I was like, I think I got one more show that I can convince people to come to. And there'll be, you know, some new stuff and stuff like that. So, and that's part of the New York Comedy Festival. So I want to, you know, sell this out. It's going to be fun. And I'll, my album, JK, Just Keep, JK, Just Keep Living, the album version of my um, Netflix special is out November 2nd. So you can buy it on iTunes. You can buy a download card that comes with a free poster through my record label. You'll get all the information. But I'm going to have the download cards with me at the Bell House, and there's a special bonus track um, of me giving the inside info on each joke. So when you buy it, it's actually something new for you. It's not, um, you know, it's not uh, just the special. But I will be selling it personally after the show. So bring you 10 bucks or whatever it's going to be, and um, that'll be fun too. So, and then, of course, I'm in San Diego, Sacramento, San Francisco in November, um, Sacramento really needs a big push. So again, if you could get tickets in advance and tell everyone, you know, and, uh, my Hollywood improv Christmas show is selling really well. And there's going to be a lot of crazy fun guests on that. So please all tickets and things, jenkirkman.com click toward dates, you motherfuckers. And let's just end on this article. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, why don't I have an email right now? Oh, I'm looking for an email. I'm looking for an email. No. Okay. Um, This is about being unaware of your own stress. I thought this would be good. Good for you guys. Chill the fuck out a little bit. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, God, my bones. My bones, they ache. Okay. This is from uh, thecut.com section called The Science of Us. This is by Carrie Rom. Um, let's see. A few months ago, my mom told me a story that I didn't quite know what to do with. At her most recent physical, when asked if she was stressed, she said, no, not really. But then, because she is a chatty person, she proceeded to fill in her doctor about various events going on in her life. Um, oh, this is getting cut off. Mother-in-law planning an upcoming wedding for one of her kids, watching anxiously as the other one embarked on a summer internship. And then there was a pause and an out loud light bulb moment. She said, oh, actually, I guess I am stressed. I was baffled. When I'm stressed, I spend most passing minutes actively knowing in it. I marinate in it. I could take a bath in it. Um, is it really possible to be blissfully ignorant of your own stress? To answer that question, it helps to first define the term, says Jessica Payne, a cognitive neuroscientist at Notre Dame who runs the university's uh, sleep lab. Stress, she explains, isn't a state of mind so much as it is a quantifiable biological response. A stressor, which can be an event or a thought, sometimes activates what's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, a network that connects the nervous and the endocrine system to produce the stress. Okay, this is getting cut off. Um, for fuck's sake, I'm going to have to look it up on the, on the computer because I printed it. I printed it and it's getting cut off. Okay, hang on. Blissfully unaware of your own stress from the cut. Blissfully unaware of your own stress 
the cup. By the way, a new listener sent me an email going, you know you have long pauses that are just silent, and it's, I really don't know what's going on. You can get that edited. I'm like, oh, sweetie, you must be new. <laughs> we don't do that here. Okay, here it is. Okay, so a stressor, which can be an event or a thought, something real or imagined, activates what's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, a network that connects the nervous and the endocrine endocrine system, you know what I'm saying, to produce the stress hormone cortisol. Something is stressful, then insofar as it causes that biological response. Because occupying a human body is a rich and diverse experience, we all react to that uptick in cortisol in different ways. Stress usually finds an outlet, pain says. For some people, it's insomnia or sleep disruption in general. For others, it's stomach problems. For others, it's headaches. And just as the physical side effects of stress can vary widely, so too can the mental ones. More specifically, so can the conscious awareness of that biological stress response. That angsty feeling we tend to associate with stress, in other words, is a feature of the state of stress, but it is not a defining one. Whether or not a person keeps their stress front of mind depends on a host of factors, personality, upbringing, even genetics. Highly neurotic people, for instance, tend to spend more time ruminating in their negative feelings and therefore are more likely to keep their stress front and center as they move through it. People raised in families where feelings aren't often discussed may be more inclined to push down any stress and move through their days as though everything is fine. And then there are people who don't consciously recognize their stress because they don't have the emotional vocabulary for it or finely tuned awareness of their own internal state. If you can't label something, Payne says, it's very hard to experience it. When it comes to recognizing and articulating what's going on in your own head, some people are just better than others. Some people are so bad, in fact, that there's a term for it. Uh, Alixithymia, or an inability to define your own emotions. On the other end of the spectrum are people with high emotional granularity, defined in one study as the ability to translate specific feelings into words with a high degree of complexity. I think my ex had alexithemia, just saying. And while it may seem like a pretty good deal to be able to section off your stress so neatly, neither tendency, focusing on it or ignoring it entirely, is in its extreme particularly healthy. On one hand, talking it out is very effective in dialing down cortisol levels, but unlike talking about it, until talking about it turns into ruminating about it, which is not helpful at all. So it's almost like you want a blend of those two personality types to effectively cope. Or if you didn't happen to be gifted with that particular blend, it's at the very least a helpful thing to aspire to when you fall too far to one side or the other. There's value in making an effort to focus your attention elsewhere when your feelings threaten to swallow you whole. But there's also value sometimes in coaxing them out and taking a moment to arrive at the conclusion, huh, I guess I'm just stressed, as counterintuitive as it may seem. There you go. Just, you know, we like to learn things here and I seem fun, so I hope you learned something. And again, please come see me in Vermont. And if you have bought tickets, tweet about it, Facebook about it, whatever. Tell everybody. Make a, buy a billboard. Put a billboard up. I don't fucking care. Until next week, have fun.